Welcome to the New Abbey Podcast. We are a Jesus community telling the biggest story of God in Los Angeles. We're excited that you're joining the conversation with us today. Enjoy. We're gonna just take a break and we're all gonna uh, have some conversation like we do every week at New Abbey. Um, so to get started, we're gonna grab three or four people around you. I mean, it's this question. What is the best news story you heard this week? If you didn't hear any good news, just like, uh, Go off of what someone said during good news or make it up or what you would have liked to hear in the news. Um, and we will be back in five minutes. Enjoy. All right. So we're going to have a little conversation this morning. I'm going to work some jokes and I promise I'm having a weird morning. I got sung by a bee this morning. That's not a joke. This is not a stand up set. I literally got sung by a bee this morning, which makes me feel like who does that anymore? Like who? Even... <laughs> It felt like outdated, like, you know, I get still stuck by a bee. And my wife was like, you're not allergic, are you? And then I was like, I don't think so. And so then I took my inhaler. And now if you're like, is she shaking? I am. Um, which reminds me of, this is also not a joke. This is a true story. I was an RD um, at Pepperdine, which is just like, so you're barely an adult and you're in charge of like barely, barely adults is like the name of that game. And we would get medical calls. So if something, a medical emergency happened to a student, we would arrive on scene before the paramedics, which just felt like I was grossly underprepared for that. And uh, one of the calls, I walk in and this kid, he's like, he's bright red, his heart is racing. He's sitting in this chair and I'm like, oh my gosh, what's, are you okay? He's like, yeah, I was eating cereal and my throat started to close. So I got myself my EpiPen and I was like, okay. And he's like, but then I went <clears throat> and I realized I just had something stuck in my throat. And I was like, oh my God. So now he's like running on all kinds of adrenaline and I kind of feel like that this morning. Okay, so with that, um, we find ourselves in the book of Exodus. Um, make us gods who will go before. Is this, is this how it starts? <laughs> it felt so cryptic, like make us gods who will go Am I supposed to decipher that? Okay. Um, if you are following along in your Bible, which may only Frankie would be, and he's walking, so no one is. Uh, but this is chapter 32. Um, and it goes like this. When the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, Come, make us gods who will go before us. Oh, there it is. That was an Easter egg. I like it. Um, Come, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us out of Egypt, we don't even know what's happened to him. Okay, drama. Aaron answered them, Take off the gold earrings that your wives, your sons, and your daughters are wearing. You can keep yours, apparently. And bring them to me. So all the people, well, all the people didn't, but uh, some of the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took what they, uh, they handed him and made it into an idol, cast in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. Then they said, these are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. Just at a full spin. Okay. Um, so we have heard this story before. Who's heard this story before? Yes. Okay. Um, and in hearing the story, uh, I heard it a lot in youth group and at church, and it usually went something like this. God did all these amazing things to the Israelites, but they're so bad and they're so sinful and they're so quick to forget that they try to make a new God. They're the worst. You shouldn't have an idol, but what is your idol? Write it down on this paper and then we're going to burn it in a fire later at the end of camp is how I heard that story. Um, <clears throat> But in reading it, as we're going through the book of Exodus, um, I just found so much new life in it, and I want to talk 
uh, about it in a different way um, today. And I want to talk about it uh, in the realistic way of knowing what it feels like when change is taking too long to come, right? Knowing what it feels like when you go from Egypt to a seemingly promised land, kind of to another Egypt, right? So I think about it in the context of my life, probably the biggest Egypt I have ever been in and the hardest season for me to go through was when I was a pastor at a church and I uh, met a girl and I realized I was gay and she also worked at the church and there's lots of layers there. It wasn't this kind of church in case you're wondering. Um, <laughs> and we weren't out, we weren't out to ourselves or anyone else. And so I just had to go on this huge path of self-discovery, so much therapy, so many hard conversations, and just so on and so on and so on. And I kept saying to myself, like, if we can figure this out, if I can make it through this, like, I'm going to marry this girl. Like, that is what was at the end. That was the promised land in my mind. And so we go through years, literally, of trying to figure this out. And uh, we, you know, left the church. We come out. We do all these things. And then finally, the time came where I was like, I'm going to take her up to this mountain in Yosemite, and I'm going to propose to her. Right? I think we have a picture. This is just for fun. Um, okay, two girls kissing in church. It's getting uh, scandalous. So the day comes, we go up to this beautiful thing. I'm afraid of heights, so I don't know why that was the plan, but we did it, and um, I was breathing so hard. And we get engaged, and then we like don't have service, which felt perfect, and we just like drive down the mountain, and then we get back to LA, where our friends are like throwing us a surprise engagement party, and it was one of the most magical days of my life, and it felt like I fully have made it out of Egypt, and I've made it to the promised land. This was a thing that I was looking forward to the whole time. And that happened on November 5th, 2016. Now, if you're tracking, November 6, 2016, the next day was a presidential election. So I made it out of Egypt, I made it to the promised land, and the next day I was in a different kind of Egypt. So I know the feeling of what it feels like to feel oppressed, to feel oppression in something, to finally make it out of something, to have a day of celebration, to have a moment of, oh my gosh, reprieve, oh my gosh, we made it, only to find another hard thing right in front of you. And what do you do? You reach for anything, because you're saying, what can help me? This is taking you. I didn't sign up to leave Egypt just to go to a promised land for a second, just to go to another kind of Egypt, right? But that is the cycle of so many of our lives. We know this to be true. We have, uh, we feel oppressed in something. We get just a glimpse of hope and then boom, right? Some of you may be feeling it now. I think politically a lot of us are feeling that. Like we were like, oh no, yay, oh no, oh, yay, oh no, right? Has how the whole thing has felt like. Our whole, <laughs> the whole past however many years, right? And so we have to find a way to be a part of the change without reaching for something that probably is not going to help us. But I understand the need to want to reach for something that makes more sense because if there was another way, if I could just melt down some gold, if I could make this idol, if I could get another god, if I could do something, then maybe the change would come and it would stick and it would stay forever, right? So I want to talk about three things um, today that help me understand Contextually, my role in this situation that I find myself in, that maybe you find yourself in, like change is taking far too long for me right now, right? So the first thing is remembrance, remembering. So one of my favorite days growing up was always New Year's Day because it was attached to one of my favorite memories. So every New Year's Day, 
My mom was a big journaler. Journaler? Journal keeper? Um, she journaled, and um, one of the things she would always keep was a miracle journal. She would call it her miracle journal, and anytime a miracle happened to like me or any of my siblings, like anyone in our family, she would write it down. And then on New Year's Day, we would all sit around a big, like we would eat pozole, and then she would go through and she would read all of the miracles from that year. And every year, without fail, it would be full. And I would think to myself, like, I don't know, 2014, 2015, I was like, it's going to be dust in there, right? Um, I did not have a miraculous year. I did not have what felt like a miraculous year most years, right? And then she would go through this journal, and she would read pages like, all three of my children um, got on airplanes this week, and they safely took off and landed. And you're like, okay, cute. That is a miracle. You're right. All three of us went up to the sky and came back down in another geographic location. We love it, right? Um, it would be like, Beans really wanted this um, opportunity, and it came, or a good co a conversation she wasn't looking forward to, but it went well, or all of these little things that I'm like, okay, oh my gosh, and by the end of it, I'm crying, and I'm like, what an amazing year I had, right? <laughs> that was an incredible year full of miracle after miracle after miracle, because someone was taking the time to remember them. And if you take the time to remember them, not only do you have this great magical moment, but then you remember that miraculous things can happen and that things are possible, okay? And so you have to remember that miraculous things can happen and are possible because guess what? They need to happen again. And so remembering is the first step in them happening again. I don't know why, but sometimes culturally in this moment, I feel like we think right now is the only time where things have ever not gone well. <laughs> like this is the one time and things aren't going to happen and nothing's possible now. The Supreme Court's just out here. Uh, they've been out here. <laughs> they have literally been out here since forever. But guess what? Miraculous things have been possible because we have seen leaders stand up to them. We've have seen leaders create change. We have seen miracles on miracles on miracles happen. And if we take the time to remember them, we can remember that it's possible to happen again. Right? So the second thing after remembering <clears throat> is uh, imagination. So I know when I'm in a tough spot, sometimes, I'll put myself on blast, this may not be you, but my first thought goes to, if only someone else would act right, this wouldn't be this way, right? <laughs> if only my parents would change, if only my partner could do this, if only um, Corey would do this, it's not specific to anyone, right? If only, <laughs> if only Gavin Newsom, right? If only, you know, whatever. Um, if only, if only, if only, if only. And it's true that, the, you know, all of us could be better, and if only this, and if only that, and we put the expectation on them, but we also have a role in creating change, right? I used to say all the time, like, <laughs> man, if I had as much money as Oprah, I would do so much good. But I'm like, but I also am me now. <laughs> like, I have, like, you know what I mean? Like, I have some dollars, what am I doing, right? Or if I had that level, or if Michelle Obama would just run for president, everything would be okay. That's what I tell myself at night. <clears throat> but when we look at the leaders who have shaped and changed and created moments in history and justice for us, they had an imagination for what didn't exist. 
They had an imagination for something different, and that moved them to action. But the imagination has to come first. Meaning, I think, all great leaders and people and change makers and people who want to see something different have the ability to hold three different perspectives at once. What was, you have to remember that things are possible that don't seem possible. What is, okay, well, what needs to change? And what can be? What's my imagination moving forward? When we remember history, it seems like, yeah, Martin Luther King, he had a dream. Uh, little black kids and little white kids would play on a playground together, he said in a speech. That wasn't real. That was an imagination. He made that up. I know it seems like he saw it somewhere and was like, yeah, that's nice. No, 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 just imagining it. Harriet Tubman wasn't like, oh, I've seen so many people go back and, and get free people. I bet I could just do that too. No, she made that up. She imagined that reality. Oh, maybe, maybe there's a way where I can follow a star and go and get people and take them to freedom. That was an imagination that she had. That was not a reality that she lived in. So she remembered what was. She knew people had done things that were miraculous. She knew that people had been freed. She knew that these things were possible. And then in the midst of what is, she said, I can imagine something new. And then she did it. She acted, which is the third thing I want to talk about. You go from remembering to imagination to action. Listen, <clears throat> I am like frustrated. I am sad. I am mad. There are a lot of things going on in the world, in my personal life, just all around that I'm like, what? And so I need to do my part, and I need to trust that God's going to do God's part. But I have to remember my part. I have to remember that there have been Egypts, that there have been oppression, that there have been slavery. And then I need to remember that there have been Harriet Tubman's, there have been Julian Bonds, there have been Martin Luther King Jr.'s, there have been Fannie Lou Hamer's. There have been all these people who imagined something and then acted on it. So I have an imagination. I've said this a few times. I imagine and I believe and I envision a world that I will live in where guns do not live. I don't know. That's not real, right? But that's my imagination for it. And so what am I going to do towards action? I am so sad. We're all so sad. Every time we see freaking shooting happen, it's devastating. Well, we can imagine a world where they don't happen. And that imagination with the remembrance that things have changed before and things can change again. With the imagination of what we want to change, what kind of action are we going to take? That's how we get to these things. I understand the temptation to be like, this is so overwhelming. I don't know where God is. I don't know where Moses is. Everybody burn your stuff and let's try something new, right? <clears throat> Not everybody. So the men keep their jewelry. <laughs> I've got questions. It's fine. But listen, I, I think I've just had so many conversations that do not feel hopeful. And I think we're wanting hope. And sometimes I think that hope doesn't come out of nowhere. Hope is practiced. It's practiced on remembrance. It's put into practice with imagination. And we follow it up with our action. This is everything socially, politically, we can do this, and interpersonally. In relationships, you remember who this person is. 
what you've been through together, what they've done. You imagine the relationship that you want to have with them, and then what kind of action does that require you to take? If you sit in what is right now and only what is right now, there is no hope. I'm with you on that. You're just, you sit exclusively on Twitter, it's a wrap. I, I agree. But if we can remember, if we can imagine, and if we can act, I think we'll see change. It sucks. I get it. It sucks to go from Egypt to Promised Land to Egypt. I'm like ping pong, and I'm like, dang, what, what is it? Is it good or bad? Dang. But we have an opportunity to say, no, 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 not if when this person comes down, not if this gold calf, not if that, not if Michelle Obama would just. <laughs> dang, girl, we're all rooting for you. Um, but what's my role, right? And how can I make that a reality? All right, so you're going to grab those same three or four people talk about this question. Where in your life do you need some new imagination? Enjoy. Thanks for listening to the New Abbey podcast. For more information, visit us on the web at www.newabbey.org.